Love is in the air. Da da dee 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 dee. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. It's Valentine's Day, or it was Valentine's Day. Right now, it's the day after Valentine's Day, yes. and uh, you have like a had... you have a you have a sexual tone in your voice. I don't really like it. Well, it's uh, you know I hope you all had a lovely day, baby. How about that? Can I just apologize on the front end for being in my backyard? My it's a Sunday. We're recording this, and even though it's Valentine's Day and love is in the air, I've been kicked out of my house, <laughs> and I'm in the backyard recording this. <laughs> <laughs> so love is not in your air, but um. Uh, I want to uh, lower my voice right now and whisper because Christopher and I have arranged for something special this evening, Sunday evening, Valentine's Day evening, and uh, my wife is is in the house about uh, you know twenty yards away from me, so uh, we have to be quiet so she doesn't hear me. Christopher, why don't you share what's happening tonight? I can talk normal because I've been kicked out of my house and I'm in the oh, back. That's no, true. Um, we planned something really nice my brother included for the three women in our lives we're having dinner tonight well see it's it's awkward to talk about this because they're going to be hearing this on monday right this is sunday morning we have plans to have dinner a nice dinner the the six of us and my daughter at my parents house tonight and we have arranged to have a violinist come at 7 p.m and we're going to be eating outside and my dad has his backyard looking nice right now and there's lights out there so it's going to be nice we're going to eat dinner outside and we're going to have a violinist playing for an hour it's going to be romantic yes it will and uh i've done some research on our violinist by the way and she is legit she's like uh, a member of the the miami new world symphony i mean she's like really good yes her name is uh we're going to say her name right now and if in hindsight we're going to ask her later if she's cool with us saying her name and we can always bleep it out her name is chelsea sharp and you can look her up online and she was very good well i don't know yet because it's beforehand but we're just going to assume she was great and you should check her out (laughs) We do. Um, and have we ever said, welcome to the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and Chris Cody and all <laughs> no. the other Codys? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's where you're at again, as you know, but you knew it. And um, we, we've got a special guest today, the one and only, the great, the beloved, Tim Kirchin. I'm excited. The ESPN baseball god. Um, I was thinking, you know, a, a lot of people who are in media, you know, talking for a living and yapping into a microphone tend to be a little bit polarizing. You know, you think of the love it or hate it people like Stephen A. Smith and everything, but is there anybody more than Tim Kirchin who just, you never hear a bad word about him. You, you never hear anybody saying, I hate Kirchin. Honestly, I, I've been hearing a lot about that, not to, you know, go go to a sad place, but Pedro Gomez, honestly, I've been hearing a lot about that, about that's the way he was. Yeah, it's true. And, and we actually talked to Tim Kirchin about Pedro a little bit because they were really good friends. And, um, and you know, that interesting stuff there. And he talked, we talked baseball, of course, and, and Marlins and all that stuff. So, uh, and, and Valentine's Day, we find out how romantic Tim Kirchner is. So. Oh, and he is. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. So since we last spoke, podcast family, drunk Tom Brady threw a trophy. And uh, what else happened? Serena won in the Australian Open uh, to reach the quarterfinals. Uh, you said you didn't want to be a podcast that just recites what happened last week. We were in a tough spot with a Monday release where we like right. feel the necessity to talk about the weekend stuff. But yet somebody listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday really doesn't care what happened on Saturday. No, that's true. You're right. We are in a tough spot. So we could talk about, you know, 
Urban Meyer's first big loss as Jacksonville Jaguars coach and, and all that stuff, but we won't. I do want to talk real quickly about uh, something I wrote a column on in the Miami Herald this past week, which is um, the potential mess that uh, Inter-Miami President um, David Beckham has gotten himself into with reports out of London that he's going to be the official you know, goodwill ambassador for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Now, um, Qatar is a, is a small, very rich, wealthy country that's also notorious for human rights violations. Um, you know, you, it's illegal and punishable if you're gay in Qatar, uh, you know. And so David Beckham apparently is crawling into bed with uh, a country that uh, is, is pretty notorious. So if, in fact, I, I saw a video. Happens, I saw a video where, um, the, is it the president of Qatar? Like the leader there, like the guy who's like not great news, apparently. Right. Like a bad guy. They were having some sort of official game there where the referees and officials were walking by and he was giving like a, a shake or a head nod to every male official. But one of the lines judge was a woman and he did not like, he didn't even make any acknowledgement of her. So like we're having, oh, the world it, cup, we're having the world cup in a country in which the leader does not acknowledge women. Yeah, exactly. And, and the country, by the way, um, <laughs> the, the U S justice department accused Qatar of just widespread bribery and with FIFA in order to get that World Cup, because they're a tiny little country with brutally hot summers, uh, with very little background as a soccer country, and yet they have the World Cup. It's really an insane situation. And now Inter-Miami, David Beckham, supposedly, according to reports out of London, is going to you know, be the, the smiling spokesman for Qatar. So, you know, I, I wrote in the column, either don't do it, either say it ain't so, David, or you better use that platform to speak out in favor of human rights and uh, LGBTQ rights, because if you don't, it, it's just going to be a really bad look for MLS and See, but is, Miami. But is that something that the soccer confederation is reaching out to him to do, or is it like the the country of Qatar gets it's the, the country? This is Beckham partnering with Qatar. Yes, he's he's got and look, it, it it's no crime to have friends who are Qataris, and it just so happens Beckham ended his playing career, uh, you know, eight years ago or so with. Paris Saint-Germain, the great French club, which happens to be owned uh, by Qatar. And, uh, and so he's good friends with the president of um, PSG and uh, who's Qatar. PSG is owned by a country? It, yeah, it, it's essentially owned by Qatar, yeah. Uh, or, or some, uh, you know, sports wing in Qatar. Anyway, we're getting in the weeds on this. I'm, I'm, I'm just shouting out to David Beckham, uh, uh, please don't do this. Or uh, if you do, then do it, it right. Is an up. It is an interesting story. No, it is. And it's going to be very interesting depending on what happens as we move closer to the 2022 World Cup. But uh, let's move on to Tim Kirchin because I'm real eager to talk to him. He's always fun. He's a friend of the podcast, FOP, and I uh, hope you enjoy him as much as we enjoy talking to him. Wouldn't it be FOTP? Friend of the podcast. Yeah, that's true. But the word the gets no respect. Of gets to go in the, the Oh, yeah, be yeah, because, you know, the 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 an acronym should be something you get to pronounce, you know, FOP, F-O-P, you know, whereas T is left out of a line. That's a, that's a whole different podcast. T is the most disrespected of the small uh, letters. It's always left out of acronyms. Can you think of a single major acronym that includes T for the? Think about it. I'll think about it, and then I'll get back to you after Kirk did. Okay, here's Tim. Happy to have back on the podcast today, uh, Tim Kirchin, the, the wonderful ESPN 
baseball writer and analyst and and I think one of the the top baseball voices uh in the entire country he's he's terrific and uh we're happy to have him tim thanks thanks a lot for being back on with us my pleasure greg my pleasure chris it's a cold morning here in maryland and it's uh <laughs> it's i can't wait for spring training to start i can't wait for baseball to get going what, what is it like there uh, is it snowy what's uh, i don't know about winters yeah it's gonna snow again today but look i don't live in buffalo Okay, so I'm <laughs> every day, but I'm also 64 years old. I'm five four and a half, I weigh 142 pounds, and I'm getting tired of shoveling. I stink at it, but I do it <laughs> all the time. When's the last time Tim Kirchin made a snowman? Well, it's funny when when we lived down the street from where we live now, we got the most enormous snowstorms about 15 years ago. The kids were maybe you know. 10, 12, whatever they were. And we built some snowmen out in our front yard that you couldn't believe. But the kids were the experts. They're both like engineer types. I just like stuck a carrot in the nose at the end. That's it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Tim, you and I have a, uh, an awful lot in common, actually. We're, we're uh, roughly the same age. We've both been married a long time. Our wives are both attorneys. Uh, we both have two kids. We were both raised writing for newspapers and Something else we have in common is that we both uh, were, were fortunate to have known Pedro Gomez, the uh, Miami guy and your colleague at ESPN who recently died unexpectedly at age 58. Um, <clears throat> I wonder if you could just share some memories of Pedro and how well you knew him and, and how that news hit you. Well, it was six days ago and I am still crushed. I am still heartbroken and I'm not sure when that's going to end. Pedro was a dear friend of mine. We worked next to each other for almost 20 years at ESPN. We wrote together, not together, but we wrote at the same time as beat guys covering baseball. There's a real fraternity there. I can't tell you how many times, fellas, well, every time I ever saw Pedro, whether I saw him the day before or I hadn't seen him in six months, it was the same greeting. It was the Timmy, Timmy Hoo-ha, every time. It was a tremendous smile, and it was an upbeat person all the time. I can't even remember ever seeing Pedro, and yet he was a really tough reporter. He was fearless when it came to asking questions. I mean, he did Falco, he did Barry Bonds, he went to the Dominican to do Big Poppy after he got shot. I mean, he was not afraid to take on the big story, and I admired him tremendously for that. And when we used to cover the World Series together, a lot of nights we would have to split up which locker room are we going to to gather sound or whatever we were doing. And routinely he would say, I'll take the loser's locker room, which is, you know, guys, not an easy place to go to walk in there with a camera crew and start barging in, asking difficult questions. Pedro relished that. He was really good at it. So that's what made him so special to me is what a kind, gentle man he was until it was time to really do his job. And then he became a bulldog. And I really appreciated that. Everybody loved Pedro and we will miss him as we have. Terrible. Yeah, Tim, um, Pedro and I had uh, fallen out of touch for years and years, and, and we actually reacquainted, oddly enough, at uh, when Jose Fernandez died tragically, and, and that that funeral took place down here, and Pedro covered it, and I hadn't seen him in years, uh, frankly, and we'd fallen out of touch, and I, I wasn't even sure if he even remembered me, and he uh, made me feel 
so special. Like he came up to me and greeted me and, you know, that smile of his. And um, he was just the, the kindest uh, person I, I've ever known in the business or, or certainly one of them. And um, it was just a, a, a shock when, when he died and, and the reaction you saw on social media from people who knew him was uh, uh, pretty astounding. I, I hope his family's uh, doing okay. Yeah, well, I spoke, I texted with his son, Rio, second, his, his oldest son. Rio, of course, was a minor league baseball player in the Red Sox. Yep. And I cannot tell you how proud Pedro was of his son, not just because he made it to play in minor league baseball, but because he wasn't the greatest high school player in the world. But he got better and better every year. And then he pitched in college at the University of Arizona. And the pride I heard from Pedro, he would just text me. He said, my son's going to Arizona, or he's throwing 83 now, or he got drafted, or whatever it was. It was like the coolest thing ever. So when I went to spring training at the Red Sox camp a few years ago, it was Rio's first camp in a Red Sox uniform. So, of course, I go up and find him. We talk. I do a little thing on my phone with him just for fun. He texts me a few minutes later and said, this isn't fair. You interviewed my son before I did. <laughs> you know That's funny. Brought a smile to everyone's face and made everyone in the room feel like they're the most important person in the world at that moment. We also have in common that we're both Baseball Hall of Fame voters. And um, I think our ballots were were pretty similar, uh, have been recently. And, you know, we, we both support Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling, none of whom got in. Uh, nobody was elected. It was a pretty rare, historically rare shutout. Uh, how surprised were you, if at all, um, that nobody got in? Well, I wasn't surprised at the end. I thought eight months ago Schilling was going to get in. But a few things arose since then, and a few writers changed their mind, and so I wasn't surprised in the end. And it's not the worst thing in the world that nobody got into the Hall of Fame. The right. writers are doing the best they can, and this is not a great year. There were no great first-time Hall of Famers. I get it. What I don't get, and what really troubles me, is just the anger that we got after the voting came out, anger at some of the players, anger at Schilling, Ponds and Clements, but mostly all the anger directed at the writers. Like, we're the worst, <laughs> did the worst job. I'll take the heat. I don't care. I'm proud of my ballot. It's impossible to do it right these days, but this is supposed to be a celebration of baseball, whether anyone gets in or not. And instead, it just turned, turned into a, a hate fest, and that, that really, really troubles me. Yeah, I um, I felt some of that oddly enough from Atlanta fans. Uh, I did not vote for Andrew Jones, and uh, for you know, for me, we all have an opinion. For me, he was a very good player, but probably not a Hall of Famer. And man, Braves fans acted like I was the biggest idiot in the world for not voting for Andrew Jones, as if it's a clear-cut case when obviously it isn't. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not the easiest job in the world <laughs> being a Hall of Fame voter because you do hear from the passion of. Uh, of baseball fans, but in the in the matter of Schilling, it it seems pretty obvious to me that uh, you know while Bonds and Clemens aren't getting in because of PEDs and steroids, with Schilling it's politics, right? Yeah, I don't see any other reason. I know at least three voter friends of mine who say he's got Hall of Fame numbers, but I'm not going to honor him because of some of the things that he's done. 
And, and I totally understand that. But I'm voting on him for what he did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even 30 years ago. I covered his first major league start. I've known him forever. And he, the Hall of Fame numbers are there. The postseason numbers are a joke. His regular season numbers are Hall of Fame numbers for me, so that's why I vote for him. But frankly, I'm not comfortable being the moral arbiter of all things, and that's where we are now when we vote for the Hall of Fame. So I, I would like a little help, frankly. I think we all need a little help because I'm never satisfied when I turn in my ballot. I'm never happy right. with what I've done. Uh, I did the best I could. I tried as hard as anyone can, but I still don't think I got it right because I don't think you can. I think all the answers are wrong anymore. <laughs> I think we could use a nationwide discussion on this with the Hall, with Hall of Famers, with writers, and with other people and, and just come up with another way to look at this because I'm not sure it's working right now based on the hatred that comes out of every Hall of Fame ballot. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair comment. I've never heard that suggested before, but uh, I don't disagree with you. Um, mo moving on to this season, um, it seems like, uh, you know, when you talk about who won the winter or whatever, the, the clubs you always hear, the Padres and the Mets and uh, a couple other Blue Jays maybe. Um, what for you, uh, who won the winter? Uh, what club really stood out as, as making the most positive moves, do you think? Well, you mentioned one of them, the Padres. My goodness, they upgraded with two really good starting pitchers. They upgraded in some other areas. And I love it that they're going after the Dodgers. I, I just love the Padres-Dodgers hadn't exactly been a great rivalry over the years, but the Padres said, we're coming after them. And then the Padres said, all right, we're going to sign Trevor Power, and we're going to have the best rotation in the main league. So I love, I love that back and forth. I love what the Blue Jays did. The Blue Jays said, "Look, we got to get back in the game here. We got to become maybe not a big market team, but we got to become a player again." So they went out and got George Springer for 160 million dollars. And trust me, this this matters so much. And everyone looks around and said, "George Springer chose Toronto. That puts them back." You know, in boy seats, and that's where you need to be if you're going to continue to be, uh, you know, really competitive. The Mets, oh my gosh, they got Francisco Lindor. That's maybe a top five player in the game. Young, switch hitter, energetic, greatest smile in the game. He's going to make them demonstrably better by himself. Also, the White Sox did some terrific things. They were 35 and 25 last year. They led the American League in homers, and they added. They added pitching. They added a closer. They added Lance Lynn. So there are a whole bunch of teams that did some really, really good things, and I love it that uh, teams who made the playoffs are saying, all right, now we got to win the World Series. What do we have to do? Tim, what about my Marlins? I mean, they bring in Kim Ang. I don't feel like we've made a big splash this offseason. Uh, we made the playoffs last year in a weird season. Everyone thinks that's the only reason we made the playoffs. What's up with my Marlins? And I was—I really wanted them to get George Springer. Right. Well, I need to apologize, Chris, because with a month left in the regular season, I said, Chris, they're not going to the playoffs. <laughs> yes, you did. And then they made it to the playoffs, and I've apologized about 10 times because this is the beauty of baseball. That team had no right going to the playoffs. And it All right, enough. They had no. a little bit of a right, Tim. Chris, this is the beauty of baseball, that a team like that, going through things like that, waiting for the playoffs, this doesn't happen in the NBA. It doesn't happen in the NFL, but it happens in baseball. So 
The Marlins are on the way up. Those top three young starting pitchers are terrific. Tim Heng is really good at this. You know, they need some serious offensive help, not George Springer. They need George Springer and Francisco Lindor to start to build an offensive club there. So I'm not encouraged in a really strong division that the Marlins are going back to the playoffs. But darn it, they have a plan, and they're sticking to it, and I really admire where they're going, and they got the right guy in the manager's seat to take them there. Tim, uh, it, it's true what, what you say. I mean, they're, they're building through the farm system now, the, the complete rebuild. The, the, their farm system has gone from non-existent almost to, to top 10. Uh, but is it a fair criticism that um, uh, Derek Jeter might have opened his wallet and been a, more of a player in the offseason and, and, and hired a, a big bat? Uh, is, is that a fair criticism? Because here they have Kim Meng, and, and, and it seemed like they didn't take the shackles off and, and allow her to, to really be a player in some of these uh, major moves. Yeah, I see the point, but... Um... I don't think we can blame Derek Jeter entirely for this. I think everyone with the Marlins would like to say, yeah, we're, we should have gone and gotten two or three really top players. All we got really to help is Adam Duvall, who's going to help them. But again, this is still a building process. And if we're completely honest with where the Marlins are, the Braves are better than they are. The Nationals are better than they are. The Mets are better than they are. So they have to look at this and say, is this the time? to go make a major move. Maybe Jeter, a former shortstop, is looking at all those shortstops who are going to be available after this season, potentially. Trevor Story, Javi Baez, Carlos Correa, uh, Corey Seager. Go get one of those guys, and that's when you say, that's what you save your money for. Maybe that's what they're doing. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. It is a tough division. I mean, they could, they could be better and, uh, and struggle to finish third or fourth because you're right, it's, it's turned into a, an improving uh, tough division one through five. Absolutely. So that, that we have to factor that in. And, you know, the Phillies got better with some of the things they've done. David Grouse is not going to sit around and watch the Phillies you know, lose again. So it's, it's the best division in baseball and that, and the Marlins are up against it. Tim, uh, we're going to let you go soon. Uh, I really appreciate you being here again. Last season was, was battered and abbreviated and, and just turned upside down by the pandemic. And, here we are beginning a new season, and, and COVID-19 is still a thing. It's still all around us. And, and I wonder, how much more normal is this season going to seem, if at all? Well, it's going to be, it's going to be more normal than next year, than last year. But I just wrote a story that's running on Monday about spring training. Greatest time of year. Most fun time of year. My favorite time of year. And it's going to be different. It's going to be really different. Tito Francona told me that, look, this is not going to be as much fun as spring training usually is. We have to understand that. And it's not bad to say that this is not going to be normal. Um, so I'm worried about that. I'm worried, as Tito told me, he's worried about the potential starts and stops. Look, you can stop an NBA season and Steph Curry comes back after three weeks and makes that ridiculous three floating to his left. He can do that in his sleep. Baseball is not that way. You take three weeks off, you've got to pretty much start all over, especially with your pitching. So I'm, I'm concerned about the, the season. I think it's going to be COVID-affected from the first day basically to the last. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we play 162. I hope we don't have a pause or stoppage. But 
COVID is still very, very dangerous right now. And I'm just praying we get through all of this safely, no matter how many games we play. Tim, how's your basketball game right now? Has the pandemic, you know, kept you from, you know, staying sharp? Well, the gym is closed, so I can't shoot around anymore. I have a hoop in the front yard. Man, it's a great hoop, too. I put it up. I had a new one put in when I was 61 years old. The kids don't even live here anymore, and I still put a new one up because the old one was rusted and it looked terrible. But it's so cold here got cars parked in the driveway that I don't get to shoot outside. Plus, it's been so long, the net is kind of frozen. So <laughs> when you make a shot, the ball sticks in the net. And I'm so old and so short, I, I have to do my best jump just to get the ball out of the net. So I have to go work on the net. Then I'm going to start shooting again in the front yard when the, when the weather warms up. I still love to do that. It's my favorite form of exercise. Without hoops, I go run through the neighborhood, and boy, is that boring, but it's something that I have. <laughs> People in Miami have never before heard the phrase frozen net, let alone experienced a frozen net. Yeah, it's beautiful out here right now. Yeah. It's not beautiful here. There's snow everywhere, and it's going to snow later today, so I'll do my best. Tim, Valentine's Day was over the weekend. What is the most romantic thing Tim Kirkchen has ever done on Valentine's Day for his wife? <laughs> uh, I'm not real good at romantic things. I try really hard, but um, I I took my wife out to like Ruth Chris's for for dinner. Nice uh, the food there is great, and uh, I ordered a bottle of wine, which I don't know anything about. You know, I stink at wine. I stink at beer. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm drinking. I don't know the between an $800 bottle and an $8 bottle. I'm really bad at it. But I ordered an expensive bottle of wine. When I say expensive, it was like like 150 bucks or so. Wow. Wow. And that nice. was just a signal to my wife that even though I have no idea what I'm doing here, I'm going to order something worthy of a night out on Thanksgiving at Ruth's Chris. So that, that's about the best I can do, Chris. Otherwise... Uh, Sorry, you're going to have to go find someone more romantic than I am. I stink at that, too. That's perfect. <laughs> well, uh, you may stink at that, but uh, you don't stick at baseball. How's that for a, uh, how's that for a segue in closing? Um, Tim, thanks much for being back with us. I mean that uh, you're, you're a baseball expert in every sense of the word, and, and check out his work uh, all across ESPN platforms because he's the best. Tim, um, thanks for joining us. Really mean it. My pleasure, Greg. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. I got one. What? WTF. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you, you, got, you got me on that one. Uh, <laughs> it's also not an acronym you can pronounce. You know, what the f- That was a fun interview with Tim Kirchner. I miss that man. What a delight. I- Yes, yeah, we're we're thrilled. He's, I think that's his what second or third time on with us. We why had him so and his son in, why, on once. Why are you so into counting the amount of times people have been on this podcast? Well, because you know, eventually there's going to be you uh, are the a most, Cody Show are, podcast Hall of Fame. You are the most self-absorbed person. Like I know it's like the running joke of the show, like the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Like the name in itself gives off like I love me some me, but <laughs> it is no joke. You are like that. Like you like. And then you say, if I like last week, you told a meme 
Hey, I mean, you've been on four time. Like it was like some badge of honor that he it would put on his resume. Honor. Like he would yeah. put it on his Twitter bio four time, you know, <laughs> he time should. Greg Cody show. Absolutely. And by the way, uh, I think you're wrongly accusing me of being self-absorbed just because this week's um, edition of the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody happens to feature Greg's mail sack and another monk, Greg Moore. Jesus. Other than that, what are you getting to? Very vivid. Thank you. All right. Where are we? Let's I get lost into my that. Train of thought. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to like think about what I was just thinking about. Let's get to Greg's mail sack, though. All right. It's Greg's mail sack. Let's pull your question from the bag and let Greg answer back. I love that jingle. I really do. Who sings that? Um, is it me? Greg Cody sings it. Yeah. Oh what's yeah. It like, right. Right. What's okay. it like singing about your mail sack? <laughs> Of course, that's M-A-I-L, as we always remind people. Um, Greg's mail sack. It's, uh, you know, we invite readers to, uh, uh, listeners, what are they? Just our podcast family. Christopher put it out there on social media, you know, ask us questions, and several people did, and uh, we're winnowed, and uh, winnowed through, and picked all, all the finest ones. And by the way, I have not heard these questions in advance, so this is all spon- spontaneous stuff here with my answers. All right, let's get right into it. Greg's mail sack. I enjoy this segment. I was going to say I enjoy Greg's mail sack, but I realized that the wordplay is like backfiring on me. Um, no pun intended. Greg, what is your go-to recipe slash menu when having or hosting a dinner party? Wow. Um, you know, it de- it depends on the dinner party. If it's, you know, the least bit formal or what have you, I, I might just do something as, as simple as steaks. Um you know, our, our Valentine's meal. I'm offering my small party uh, either Maybe. filet mignon or um, bone-in ribeye. And, and then a little lobster tail on the side because we do it up a little bit for major holidays around here. So that's a nice meal. If, if, um, if it's more like a, a Super Bowl party, you know, back in the day when we had parties and hopefully we can again, uh, I might do a gumbo. You know, I might do one of my famous gumbos. And I say famous because... Is it because, famous? Uh, yeah, is yeah. it famous? I say famous because, uh, you know, the, the key to the gumbo is a good roux, and I can make me a roux, man. I can make some roux. Baby. Next question. Have you had Dan's famous popcorn recipe, and can you tell us any of the ingredients if you have? I have not. Dan brags about making, like, this crazy secret good, just like, you know, basically popcorn just seasoned a certain way that's just like he brags about it. And, and, and what he, is the secret? Um, he hasn't told us. I will write here publicly. Uh, I will challenge Dan Levitard to a pop-off, and I will make better popcorn than him. Wow. That's right. That's exciting. Yes, let's uh, let's make it happen. I'm not going to fight Jose Canseco, but I will make popcorn against Dan Levitard. <laughs> somebody asked, will I ever find true love? Like somebody to Greg's mail sack. Greg's mail sack. At Juiceman50. He just wants sack. to know, will he ever find love? He will find love. But you have to stop. You have to uh, start losing a phrase like "true love" because love is love. Don't refer to it as true love or first love or love at first sight. Uh, you either love or you don't. And yes, I predict you will find love and happiness. Now these p- questions are picked at random. I don't handpick them. Like I don't. I want this to be pretty, uh, you know, non-biased. Okay. But this this one says. Um, at Take No Offense 21 writes, we know that Chris Cody is a tremendous athlete and elite golfer, but uh, what <laughs> sports can you still beat him at? Oh, my God. Randomly picked question. Okay. I like to think I'm, I don't know if this qualifies as a sport. Uh, I think I'm better than you at ping pong. 
although it's I mean, that's close. Blasphemous, but no, I think I am. Uh, I know that I'm better than you at uh, Ms. Pac-Man. I was actually gonna give you that. Like when, like I when I thought saw that question, my mind went to the only thing we've really ever competed in that he regularly beats me in is Ms. Pac-Man or Galaga. I think if we uh, go bowling, I think I'm a, a better bowler than mm, you. We're gonna have to have a Cody um, Olympics. We should have a Cody Olympics. A I've Olympics. dreamed about that for years. A Olympics. <laughs> we, uh, Christopher and I played golf a couple of days ago, and um, he always beats me in golf. And, and I can hit the drive of my... A good... What would you say, Christopher? A good drive off the tee for me is what? 200, 220? 20 is a good drive, yeah. Okay, so if I hit it 220, which is me with a tailwind and a, and a good roll, Christopher then flies past me and, and like doubles my, seemingly doubles my distance. It's so discouraging. So to the point where I beat him on one hole, I think he shot a six and I shot a five. And it was almost like a, a, a celebratory moment that I actually beat him on a hole. But anyway, uh, next question. If you had a month to travel anywhere in the world, where are you going? All expenses paid. All expenses paid, oddly enough, doesn't change my answer much. Uh, oh, sorry, you're so rich. No, no, I don't mean that, but, um, you know, we travel. I mean, you know, your mother and I travel quite a bit, and, you know, we've traveled globally and been to Europe and all that good stuff. And But one place we haven't been that um, I think if it weren't for the pandemic, we may have been going this summer, is uh, Ireland. I've never been to Ireland and uh, always wanted to do that, so uh, that would be something. Australia sort of has a little bit of an interest to me, but uh, I would say Ireland would be my short answer. Next question, Greg, how do you feel about people who buy really expensive shoes? I don't see it. I don't get it. If it's uh, a dress shoe, if, if it's like a nice pair of shoes that you're going to wear for an evening out, I can sort of understand that more than I can understand the exorbitant price they charge for sneakers. You know, these designer sneakers with a NBA star's name attached to them uh, i don't get why anything you put on your foot needs to cost more than 50 bucks and that includes women's high heels it includes men's dress shoes it includes athletic uh, sneakers it, it, i just don't understand because the markup has to be exorbitant right i mean think about what you're seeing in a, in a shoe you know if i'm putting on a pair of dress shoes the cost to make those dress shoes i'm guessing is five or six bucks and yet you you can't buy nice dress shoes men's dress shoes for less than 40 or 50 you know it's just sort of crazy to me i tend to agree with nothing you just said um <laughs> this next question comes from a blue check mark so this is important uh -oh. kind of a big deal uh -oh. and this guy brian diardo i believe is how you pronounce his last name sure he's a big he's, fan he's a supporter see that's funny that i know that and you know that see folks that's what a blue check mark will get you I apologize to the other people that have sent questions in. Not, not going to remember any of you because you don't have a blue check mark. But Brian well, Diardo, we're going to remember him because he has a blue check mark. All I can say about Brian is that, uh, and this is very kind of him to do it, and it is noticed by me. Uh, when I post something on Facebook or what have you, uh, very often, not always, very often, it's Brian Diardo who's like the first one who likes or comments yes, or I somehow reacts to something I've done. So that's appreciated. I uh, I've also noticed that he's he's a great supporter. I mean, and this guy's no slouch. I'm looking I'm, I'm I'm looking at his profile right now. He's an NFL writer for CBS Sports, so like he's doing nice. much better than both of us are. So uh, well, let's not get carried away. But um, I mean, I was making a I was being, I know, I'm kidding. trying to be nice. Good for him. But yes, he's a big supporter of ours, and uh, thank you, Brian. Anyways, here it is. Big build up. Here's the question: 
And I would have, I, from a writer, I've honestly would have expected a little bit more creative question, not gonna lie. But uh, <laughs> what does a perfect Greg Cody day look like? Meals, activities, etc. I'm teasing. It's a good question, Brian. Thank you for the support. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, and, it, and it has Greg Cody's name in it. So you know it's, see, that's a guy that knows Greg Cody. If you want to have a question asked on this podcast, have it be about Greg Cody. Something called the, what is the perfect Greg Cody day? The perfect Greg Cody day is a weekend. It it's, does not involve working. Um, it's a day wow, where... Wow, shocking take there that your perfect day doesn't involve working. Okay, it's, it's a day that involves... Uh, no obligations. Uh, it starts with me uh, grocery shopping because that's um, the most uh, relaxing time of my week is the hour spent going up and down all the aisles, perusing, browsing, uh, buying. And uh, I truly enjoy that. I, I enjoy an hour of shopping, grocery shopping once a week. That begins a beautiful day for me. Uh, and then it might involve, you know, a nice lunch with my wife and um, a relaxing, doing a little yard work, you know, boring stuff. Uh, what would be boring stuff You're to so most people? You're so full of that. We're mean? talking about your perfect day. Like you could go out, you could have a beach day. You could go out on a boat. You could, you know, go play golf with your son and then, and then go get drinks after. Like you're just not oh, putting yeah. any creative thought into this. You're just like, oh, what did I do this morning? I went to the store. My perfect day is I went to the store. Oh yeah. You know, you're like, 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 like think outside the box here. You're perfect day you don't have to go like i'm with you maybe you do actually like going to the store so i was with right. you for that but then coming home and doing yard work you're lying what are you talking about you, no i'm not um i'm a man of very simple tastes i'm very easy to please uh i'm the kind of guy i could go two years Stop without saying i'm the kind of guy that does something you've been I'm doing the kind of guy i could go <laughs> i do love that phrase alan cherry god rest his soul Second. i'm the kind of guy that Nobody I'm the knows kind of who guy. Alan Cherry is. Well, you know, it's an inside joke, although it's not a joke because I'm referring to one of my oldest friends who passed away uh, a few years ago. Um, his song, Letting Go, is uh, a song that I've recorded, which uh, I'd like to play some of that song on the podcast, Christopher, just uh, maybe 30 seconds of it. Okay. Um, right after this bit and before Mount Gregmore, if you don't mind. Uh, I lost my train of thought. You're the kind of guy that says I'm the kind of guy because of Alan Cherry. Yeah, I'm the kind of guy who can go two years without taking a vacation and it wouldn't bother. That's not him. true. You know, I'm a you're man so of simple full of it. See, you're you're the guy also who goes on like six vacations a year because his wife loves to travel. Right, so you exactly. say you could go a long time without going on a vacation without having actually bit. I bet you want to go on vacation right now because you probably haven't gone during the pandemic. Oh, wait, you have gone like over to the West Coast a couple times during the pandemic into the Keys. Uh, maybe. But carefully, of course, carefully. But you have traveled because you like to travel. You're so I, you not as much see, as my wife likes to. You travel. love to see. That's your move. That's your move. You put it all on mom, and then you right. like to claim you're this homebody. And it's I like every Friday night you're out to dinner. Every three months you're in uh, you know some other state. I am on a some wine tour. Like you're full of it. Wine that. tour. I haven't gone on a wine tour in more than a year. A war. I love a wine tour, though. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we've been to Napa a couple of times, and it's uh, it's a glorious uh, time. It's a glorious vista. There's another question here, and I don't want to ask it because I don't want it to give away some future plans that we might have. But the question is, when will you write a cookbook? Whoa, that's a good question. Um, Let's just leave it there. You never know. You never know. Last question. Erica asks, how did the bed actually break? Oi. Um, I wish, I really wish there were 
uh, an exciting or dare say lurid story involved there. But um, I was not even in the room at the time. Uh, <laughs> Maybe no one else was in the room when it happened. Yeah, Hamilton. No, I don't know how it broke. I don't. I mean, it. You know, it was probably ten years old and. All right, my mom's, ha- like- my mom's having an affair. Anyways, if you guys are interested in my mom and my dad's <laughs> romantic dynamic, they're romantic, check out the Mystery Crate that came out last week. It's a Valentine's Day special. It has a great Ron McGill Sex and the Animals special that we do with the shipping container, and it also has me intruding on my parents' Valentine's Day dinner, and it was a, it was a fun time. So if you haven't heard it and you're a fan of if you're listening to the Greg Cody Show and you haven't heard that Mystery Crate, you will like that Mystery Crate. Check it out. It is. I, I actually listened to that and enjoyed it. Uh, the bit the bit you did with Mom and I was funny. And McGill, I learned something from McGill, which is what animal has the longest penis relative to its size. So, you know, you can't get information like that uh, in any podcast. Mm-hmm. And the final question is just two words with a question mark. Butt stuff? Um, I disassociate from that. Um, I did not endorse that T-shirt. Wow. I don't know. I mean, is there, are there, is there a lawsuit in the future? Uh, there, there could be. I mean, you know, it's it, the, the shirt has my likeness on it, and it derives from my saying I eat butt all the time, meaning pulled pork, meaning Boston butt. And all of a sudden, it turns into a T-shirt that says butt stuff. And I, I never heard about that T-shirt until I saw it on Twitter. So I literally had know nothing about that. You sound like a man who signed a paper once and had no idea what he was signing. That's probably true. Yeah, I don't. I don't read the fine print. Or the large print. I just signed. Okay, that was fun. Greg's mail sack, which we don't do often. Uh, we got to do that more. Uh, and now, real quick, we want a little 30-second or so interlude of the song Letting Go, which I performed. It is Alan, the late Alan Cherry wrote the lyrics and the music to this song, and I love it. I, I gave it a little bit of a, of a country feel in my version of it, and here it is. This interesting I thought that you might too There's good friends and good women Sometimes both won't do When you're as drunk as you can get High as you can be Hang out at 7-Eleven To be a Mr. You never know I've been smoking, I've been drinking To kill the misery At the hands of one woman Who's as evil as can be She's got the diamond ring touch She's talking like a baby Whispered and a grinning, she take advantage of me. She's telling me, yo, there's a time for letting go. Why should I be waiting here? 
suffer For what you maybe could call a mistake Much love to my old friend Alan Cherry, who I miss. And now, on to Mount Gregmore. Mount Gregmore returns with an homage to Valentine's Day as we present the mountaintop of men and women who bore the Valentine name. First, our honorable mention. He was a pope. Barely. He rose to the Catholic Church's highest seat in the year 827 but died less than five weeks later, did Pope Valentine. Number five, the iconic character Bond, James Bond, likely would never have existed without this man because he was the father of the Bond creator, author Ian Fleming. So thank Ian's dad, former British Parliament member, Valentine Fleming. So this number five on your list makes this list because he birthed the guy that wrote James Bond. Exactly. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Number four. We all remember Eddie Murphy's role in the film Trading Places, but how many recall that Murphy's character's name was Billy Ray Valentine? Number three. <laughs> she is... <laughs> There weren't that many Valentines. You know, we're... we're, we're I love really how you never... I, nev- I love how you never... You come up with an idea and you're like, I don't care if it's crap, I'm pushing through. I came up with this idea, I don't care if nobody has any interest in any of these names, we are pushing through. Zagaki. Number three, she is an American actress best known and remembered for her Emmy-winning 1970s role as a young idealistic school teacher, Alice Johnson, in the long-running ABC comedy drama series, Room 222. A teenage Greg Cody thought she was sort of cute. It's Karen Valentine. Number two. He had a nine-year career as a major league player with four teams and then was an MLB manager for 16 years and seven more in Japan. He's 48th all-time in managerial wins, though never a champion, Bobby Valentine. It's the name I've been waiting for. And now, the number one. He was the U.S.-based Italian actor, in the 1920s, sex symbol of the silent film era. While Charlie Chaplin was making America laugh, he starred in serious films and made women swoon. Tragically, he would die at age 31 of an abdominal infection that today would be easily treated with antibiotics. But his name resonates in American film history, Rudolph Valentino. How do you not have the two guys who were executed who were both named Valentine, that, that Valentine's Day was named after. How do you have that? During all this, I Googled who created Valentine's Day or like, where did it come from? Right. It, Emperor Claudius II executed two men, both named Valentine on February 14th of different years in the third century AD. Their martyrdom was honored by the Catholic Church with the celebration of St. Valentine's Day. Wow, that's good. See, I just, I, uh, edu- I just learned you more than you did that entire bit. You're welcome. Well, yeah, no, I wish uh, if I had known that, if, if, if that had uh, run across my uh, research, my vast research, uh, that would have fit. Uh, that probably might have bumped Pope number Valentine. Three. I mean, number, my no, I, feel like, I felt like number three, like Pope. I was like, I was following you kind of down these paths. That third one was just an obscure actress. Oh, that's the... It was just because you had a crush on her when you were young. Oh, Karen Valentine. She should have been number one. 
on any other list. I mean, come on, baby! You know, that was fantastic. Uh, but anyway, there it is. Another award-winning Valentine's Day gift from your friends at Mount Gregmore. And, um, your friends <laughs> at Mount Gregmore? That's right. It's you. <laughs> it's, well, it's, uh, I like to pretend like it's an entire staff. Uh, you know, I have a, a Mount Gregmore research staff and, you know, and, writers. And when in reality is it's something you wanted me to do half the time. And I was like, no, you just do it. Yes. In reality, it's just me and Wikipedia, uh, you know, <laughs> dancing down the, the gilded path. All right. We're, um, enjoy this podcast because Tim Kirchin is always great. Uh, and, um, podcast family, thank you again for joining us. Uh, spread the word, tell, tell your friends uh, about our podcast, unless you don't like them and don't want to share good news with them. Uh, and we're going to see you right back here next week. By the way, next week is special. It's our 50th episode. That's right. Next week is our 50th, 5-0 episode. We've been doing this almost a year. Thanks to you. Uh, it's been really successful, and um, we appreciate you. See you next week. When you said spread the word before, I got just all of a sudden envisioned like driving by an intersection and like the way Paul, like around the, like the, the elections there, you would see like, you know, groups of people with like certain candidates. Right. And I'm actually, I'm picturing a congregation of people at an intersection, all with Greg Cody signs, all with Greg Cody show signs, taking, like taking it. literal when you say spread the word. I'm talking about spread the word. I want you to go out and buy, can you still buy a bullhorn? I want people to go out and spend good money on a really top-of-the-line bullhorn, uh, go to an intersection, stand on an orange crate, but make sure it's a sturdy crate so you don't pratfall and get run over. And then, you know, your estate sues me and it becomes a whole ugly deal. But anyway, go on an intersection with a, a bullhorn and advocate for the Greg Cody Show podcast. You know, you be my apostle uh, because I think you'll enjoy it. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.